Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Well, Happy New Year, everyone. It, it's so great to be with you. And again, welcome to those of you here and online. We're delighted to have you. Uh, a special welcome to those of you who might be new. Maybe you're spiritually curious. You're wondering who Jesus is and how following him might make a difference in your life. Um, we're continuing a four-part series today called Pray, where as we're turning the corner on a new year, we're considering the practice of prayer. And uh, which, as many of you know, is one of the central practices uh, that Christians practice. And there's lots of ways to pray, lots of ways to breaking down what prayer exactly is, but we're doing it this way, that in prayer we pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. So this is just to make this portable for you, uh, an easy tool for you to apply in your own prayer life at home and with your family. So today we're focusing on ask. We're focusing on the matter of asking God in prayer. And so I invite you to open a Bible to Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. And if you're using the Pew Bible, you can find that on page 844. Uh, Whether you're here at home, please do have the Bible open. As we go deep into Jesus, we believe that the Bible is God's word to us. uh, And we really need to develop the habit to get into the word for ourselves. So that's where we're going to dig in today. So Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. Let me just set this up for us. Jesus is teaching his disciples about prayer. And in verse 9, he says, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives And the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord for us. Will you join me in prayer? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your teaching on prayer and we ask that in this moment you would send your Holy Spirit upon us. That same spirit who inspired Luke to write these words, would you come and illumine our hearts and minds to receive, to welcome your word, that it would renew us for worship and witness. Would you transform us and encounter us in this time? We pray, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. As we talk about asking today, I want to ask you a question. How good are you at asking? How good are you at asking? Um, Picture this scenario. Your spouse has given you a grocery list, and you're at the grocery store, and one of those items is particularly obscure, and you have no idea where to find it. What do you do? Are you like me? I will look at that list, I'll find the thing, and I'm like, I got this. And I might spend half an hour in the store walking around looking for this item instead of doing the most obvious thing, to ask someone, you know, wearing like a blue vest who works there, 
hey, where can I find this item? How good are you at asking? How good are you at asking God? I think in our day and age, probably on a day-to-day basis, most of us are, are more used to asking Google than asking God, right? Bring our questions to that search bar on our device. And let's just be honest here. There's tons of barriers that we experience to asking. First, there's, there's pride on the one hand, right? We want to look like we've got this. We've got it all under control, right? We want to be self-sufficient. But then on the other hand, maybe some of us suffer from the opposite problem. We have a low self-esteem. And that when it comes to asking someone else or asking God, we maybe have the implicit thought, like, I'm not worth the trouble. Or maybe you experience social anxiety that prevents you from asking. We have lots of barriers to asking. And as we get into the text today, I want us to allow Jesus to kind of bring those barriers down because asking is a central part of what prayer is. Now, Right off the bat, we, we want to say prayer isn't only asking, right? We've looked at pause. We've looked at rejoicing. Next week, we're going to look at yielding, which is really important to bring along with asking, that as we ask, in the end, we end up yielding to the will of God. But asking is at the center of what it means to pray. It is at the center of what it means to pray. In our passage today, right, what we read is part of a larger body of teaching, and how this... Um, teaching got started is Jesus's disciples come to him and ask him, right? Good things happen when you ask. They go, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus was their teacher. He was their rabbi. And they're like, okay, where do, you're, where are your disciples? Would you please teach us how to pray? We've been watching you and, and we see that you pray often, that you withdraw to quiet places and you pray to your father. So would you teach us to pray? And then Jesus does. And check this out. If you just turn the page before to verse one, Jesus, uh, actually verse two, Jesus gives them the prayer or the framework for prayer that they ought to pray. And in Luke's gospel, it's very simple. He says, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Here's what I want you to see here. Your kingdom come. That's an ask. Give us each day our daily bread. That is an ask. Forgive us our sins. It's an ask. Um, Lead us not into temptation. It's an ask. The prayer that Jesus gives them begins with pausing to rejoice in God and to praise God, but every single thing that follows is, let me hear you say it, an ask. That's right. And then right after this, he he launches into two parables. So the first parable that we didn't read today is actually also about asking. It's about a friend who comes to his neighbor at midnight and asks for bread. And the point of that parable is, um, you know, your friend at midnight will give you what you want when you ask because he has concern for his honor, or in today's word, he he has common decency, right? And he gives you what you need when you ask. And then what happens in our text today is as Jesus moves from like allegory and metaphor and parable to being super direct. Did you notice that? That in verse nine, he says, I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Now, this isn't just a suggestion. This is actually a command. 
He's commanding his disciples to ask. And it's a present tense command, which in the language of the New Testament doesn't mean just like ask once. It means keep on asking. He says keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And somehow what he wants to impart to his disciples is that his way, the way of his kingdom and of following him, asking is really important. And he wants them to make it a continuous habit of their souls. So today, as we camp out on this matter of asking in prayer, we're going to consider the basis of our asking. We're going to consider the confidence that we have to ask. And then we're going to consider the power that comes through asking in prayer. The basis, the confidence, and the power. So first, the basis of our asking. What is the basis by which we can come before like the majestic and holy God of the universe and ask. The basis is Jesus himself. Jesus is the one who is teaching his disciples to pray and it'd be really important to ask the question, well, who is Jesus? Some of you might be watching here today and you're like, who is Jesus? I'm hearing that he was like a guru. I'm hearing that he was a teacher. I'm hearing that he was a carpenter. Uh, What gives? Who is he? Well, he was a rabbi to his disciples. So he's teaching here. He's being true to form. And as we read through the gospel accounts of his life, there is a clear and dominant theme that comes across about Jesus. It's this, that Jesus experienced God, Almighty God, as Father. Jesus experienced Almighty God as Father. And this relationship with his Father permeated everything he said, everything he did. It permeated the mission of his life. And as we read the Gospels, it becomes very clear because as Jesus made this claim that God is his Father, there were people who were like, what? You can't say that. But what becomes obvious in the Gospels is that this was not a fantasy or a delusion. Jesus was not some fanatic pretending that God was his father. He was actually the son of God. He was born of the Virgin Mary and conceived of the Holy Spirit. And he really was sent to accomplish the will of his father and inaugurate the kingdom of his father, the kingdom of God. And the climax of this whole life, of his life, of obedience to his father was his death on the cross. We sang about that this morning, the centrality of the cross, that this is ultimately where his obedience and love for his father led him. And one of the metaphors in the New Testament that is used to unpack what exactly happened in the cross and what it means for us. Some of the metaphors are like law court metaphors. The word justification comes to mind, which is a fancy word for saying that um, you're declared righteous before a judge. There's also a natural metaphor of being brought from darkness into light. There's the economic metaphor of being uh, redeemed as a slave by having the ransom price paid for your freedom. And get this, and and this is where Jesus really wants to bring us today. One of the other metaphors, one of the other powerful images in the New Testament to talk about what the cross has done is the metaphor of adoption. Where children who were once on the outside of a family are brought into a family and given the full rights of natural born children. Check out what it says in Galatians chapter four 
verse four, where Paul writes this. He says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, right? There's, there's the father and son, the missional sending. That son was born of a woman and born under law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is spelling out the basis of our asking. It's the redemption and the adoption accomplished by Jesus in dying in our place. It's not our performance um, that gives us the basis to ask God. It's not our piety, it's not our accomplishments, it's Christ and his accomplishment for us. It's, It's pure grace. And guess what? Paul keeps unfolding adoption. In verse six, he says, and because you are his son, so he's like, let's tease out the implications of this. And let me just say, um, he uses the word sons, and he's not saying that this is only for women, but that in Christ, in that cultural context, both men and women were reckoned the status of son. He was super progressive for his day. So he says, because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son, that is the Holy Spirit, into our hearts. And the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. You see, Paul is also following Jesus' teaching. He wants to spell out the atoning work of the cross practically for us, that since Christ has redeemed you and you've put your faith in him, you can call, listen, my friends, you can call the holy God of the universe, Abba. Father, that through Jesus Christ we have full rights. And not only the rights, but the experience. The kind of life that calls on God in that way, that approaches God in that way. See, what Jesus is doing here is that even before the cross, he's teaching his disciples to pray in light of the cross, to address God as Father to ask like a child coming to their dad. That's the basis of our asking. It's it's that adoption secured for us in the cross of Christ. What about confidence? Because I know a lot of us have grown up in church. We've heard this before. What about actually living this out? What about the confidence we need to not just know that there is a basis by which we might approach God in this way, but how do we actually do it? We need the confidence to ask Let me just say that as I've sat with this text this week and and prayed through it, I actually think if there's one thing you take away from today's message, it's this, is that Jesus wants us to have confidence. Jesus wants you to have confidence to approach God as his child. He wants our child of God identity to not just be something in our minds, but something that floods our consciousness that every day we see ourselves in the light of what he's done for us in the cross, that we see ourselves as children of God. He wants us to have the confidence to ask. Check out verse 11 to 13. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? It's actually kind of a funny picture. I mean, this is kind of the ancient version of like the Saturday morning comics. This is like a really funny thing. Because the answer is no, no human father would do that. Or um, if he asked for an egg, would give him a scorpion? Of course not. So here's the point. 
verse 13. He says, if you then, though you're evil, right? You're human, you're sinful. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Do you see the point? I mean, it's so clear. Your earthly fathers know how to give you what you need. Your earthly friends will give you what you need when you ask them, even in the middle of the night. So how much more will your father give you what you need? And Jesus wants us to hear this and have confidence to ask. Why? Because of the trustworthiness of the one we're asking. It's that how much more will God your heavenly father, right? That he, he's good, he's loving. He knows what we need, even though in our ask we present the things that we think we need. He knows our deeper needs. And he wants to care for us and lead us. Jesus wants us to ask. And let me just say, as a father of four, I've noticed something. Kids just love to ask And the amount of times that an ask comes my way every day, it's just astounding. And I mean, some of you have one kid, two kids, three kids. We have four kids. One of them can't even talk yet, but it just feels like every single day is requests and requests. And uh, we have one child in particular who will remain nameless. And we're convinced that this child would be an excellent hostage negotiator. Um, And so we get worn down. And let me just say, God has way more resilience than we do as parents, and I'm just so glad for that. But what do kids do? They just ask. It's what they do. It's the only thing they know because they are just utterly dependent on their parents. My kids are dependent on me and my wife. And Jesus is telling us to be like kids here. He's telling us to be like kids. Not to have tantrums, okay? Not to be immature, or to use like, I'm gonna be a kid, so I'm just gonna do whatever I want as an excuse. No, he means for us to be like kids in our dependence, in our dependence on the heavenly father. That we would have this habit, this reflex of the soul to ask, to just ask as a child asking their parents. Let me just say, asking is a relational process, is it not? That through asking and answering that dialogue, first of all, it happens in the context of relationship, but through that asking and answering, my kids actually start to know me better, right? They, they come to know what my answer is gonna be to them before they ask it. Like if it's 8 a.m. and they start asking for candy and this is not a hypothetical situation, this is real, and I say no, and I say no over and over again. See, over time they learn hmm, this is probably not a good thing to ask daddy at 8 a.m. They, they learn, hey, it's not my parents' will for me to eat candy this early. And therefore they mature, right? They grow. They learn what's appropriate. They come to know our will. And, and sometimes in that process of asking and answering, and you've probably experienced this with your parents or even with God, that the answer is explained. Like, why is this a no, mommy? And so we explain, you know, what you're asking for, it's actually good and right, but now's just not the right time. We're doing this. Or sometimes, out of the blue, we give them something that they asked for like a week ago and they had completely forgotten about it. And they're like, whoa! Right? 
Asking is a relational thing. And it's the same with us and God, that asking happens in the context of relationship. And so the point is, as kids, of children of our father, sometimes we feel like, okay, I gotta have all my ducks in a row to ask God. I got like a presentation where I'm gonna be presenting the KPIs on why he should be, you know, uh, fulfilling this request and I'm gonna be polished and good. No, 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 just ask. Because he's your father. You can approach him with that simplicity. And knowing that in the asking and in the answering, um, he's gonna draw you to himself into deeper communion with himself. See, what Jesus wants more than anything in this text is for us to have confidence to ask as children. And in one sense, asking is like the easiest thing in the world, right? Like it's so easy. But on another level, I, I think it's not so easy because asking assumes dependence. It assumes that we have a need. It assumes that we're not self-sufficient and that can be hard for us in a day and age where, where, let's face it, our cultural moment just so idolizes the strong and sovereign self. And the way of asking grinds against the way of the world and, and sometimes against our pride. I mean, think about your work environment. I mean, I'm sure some of you have a great work culture where asking and dialogue is encouraged, but some of you don't. For some of you, to ask in your workplace is to show weakness and is to put a target on your back, right? It's interpreted as weakness or even at worst, incompetence. You can't do the job we hired you for, come on. And so sometimes we're trained to harden ourselves, to be macho and powerful and independent. And that can keep us from asking. So there's pride on the one hand, but then on the other hand, there's a subtle way that we as Christians can sometimes take this pride and view asking in prayer as like a lower form of prayer. Have you ever felt that in yourself or seen that in somebody else that, that it's almost like, oh, the, the real spiritual Christians, they're always like, contemplating, they're always rejoicing and adoring. They don't have needs, they're, they're so you know, along in their journey that they don't have needs that they ask for. Let me just say, that's a trap. It's false spirituality and let me just be the first one to admit, I've thought that before and I was way off base. That in our spiritual pride, we may look down our nose on people who ask with just this childlike simplicity. But that's what Jesus wants. On the other hand, so our pride stands in the way of asking and having the confidence to ask. But on the other hand, there's also our low self-esteem, our low self-view. Because really, the call to ask is based upon this child identity with God. And in order to ask, it actually means we have to be standing in that identity. We have to receive by faith the word and work of Jesus in making us children of God. And sometimes we can be insecure in that. We can think, oh, I'm not worth it. Or I don't want to trouble God. Or, you know, God has way bigger fish to fry in the, like the superintendence of the world. Like he doesn't care about what's going on in my life. And Jesus is inviting you. No, he's commanding you. Ask. See, the way of Jesus is the way of dependence. It's, it's the way of humility to come before our Father and just ask. 
And dependence on God is not a weakness. See, in his kingdom, he turns power upside down. And dependence is a strength. And asking is the way God designed us to live our dependence for him. I love how Charles Haddon Spurgeon put it. He says, whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. Isn't that just so true? Whether we like it or not, asking is the rule of the kingdom. And when it comes to prayer and our discipleship, we need to unlearn independence and ask. And we also need to take the Bible as it, at its word about ourselves, to stand under scripture and how it invites us to receive our identity in Christ. So that's the basis for asking. There's this childlike confidence in our asking. And lastly, let's look at the power that comes through our asking. And again, turn to your text, look in verse 13. This gets at the heart of why asking in prayer is so crucial. Jesus says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, Jesus doesn't say he's, he's gonna give you whatever you want. He says he's gonna give you the Holy Spirit. Now, let's just camp out there a second and consider what this means. See, for some of us out there, one of the barriers to asking is that we figure, hey, if God knows everything, he already knows what I need, so why should I have to ask? We've already talked about how asking is a relational thing, so it's not just about information transfer. It's not just about getting what you want. Asking is, in prayer is about love. It's about love. It's about growing deeper in your love with the heavenly Father. It's about ever deepening communion through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit, living in the life and love of the Trinity. Here's how P.T. Forsyth puts it. He says, love loves to be told what it already knows. Isn't that just so good? This is why you husbands and wives, you, you tell the other that you love them. They already know that. But what would happen if you went a week or a month or a year without telling them that? The relationship would suffer. Love loves to be told what it already knows. Every lover knows that. It wants to be asked for what it longs to give. That is the principle of prayer to the all-knowing love. You see, at bottom, our fundamental need as we come before God and ask is the presence of the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit. It's that communion of love. Whatever our circumstances, in the midst of all our asking, whether it's like big things or just the little daily things, our rock bottom need is that we need him. What we need more than the gifts we ask for is the giver of the gifts. And that's why Jesus says, how much more will your heavenly father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He doesn't say he's gonna give you what you ask for in the way that you want it, but he promises that power will come by his own presence, by the Holy Spirit. Now, I wanna just consider one subtle way that this kind of plays out practically in our life. The power that comes to us in asking is the Holy Spirit. 
And so as we come to prayer, we actually need to recognize that as I come with all my requests, sometimes we come into the place of prayer just totally scattered. We're like, oh, I want this. Oh, I want this. God, I don't even know what I want. And, and one of the things that we need to do is actually hold our desires before God and allow him to reorder them. And the first place to start is to set our desire on God himself. Because one of the ways that we get tripped up in asking his prayer is because we come with these scattered desires and we have deep longings and not all of them are of God, right? Not all of what we ask for is of God. And nothing is in order in our life if God is not first in our affections. And so what can happen with us as we ask confidently, and indeed we should, but what can happen is that sometimes we can subtly put our faith and our hope, we can have faith for something. We can have faith for something rather, have, rather than have faith in God. Now this is a subtle thing, and you might think, oh, that's just semantics, tomato, tomato, but hear me out on this. It's really important. As soon as we start believing for something, we're actually departing from Jesus' teaching on prayer and how he says power will be manifested in our prayer. Do you understand what I'm saying? And actually there are theologians who have studied um, prosperity movements and stuff like that and, and they've said that at the heart of the prosperity gospel, this gospel that says if you believe God, he's gonna give you health and wealth and he's basically like this cosmic vending machine who's gonna make everything line up. At the heart of it is this, faith for something rather than faith in God, right? To have faith for healing is different than having faith in the healer. To have faith for provision is different from having faith in the provider. Do you understand what I mean? I know people whose faith has been shipwrecked. Their lives have been ruined because they trusted in an outcome and they were convinced that God would do it, that they would marry so-and-so, that he would heal so-and-so in their life. And I just wanna say, we have tons of unanswered prayer. As we enter into the space of prayer, we need to realize the complexity that God doesn't always answer our prayer in the way we would like it to be answered. Sometimes he doesn't answer it even in our lifetime. And this is a huge point of pain for so many of us. But as I say this, I believe that Jesus still wants us to have confidence to ask. Because confidence to ask as a child to their father means confidence to take risk. It means confidence to do it and know I'm not perfect in doing it. And we keep asking, but it is worth asking the question to ourselves, what am I trusting in here? Who am I trusting in? Is my faith in God? Or am I believing for something? It's worth asking the question. And as we come to God in this place of prayer and ask, we need to know that the power that God wants to pour out and manifest in our lives is his own presence. It's the Holy Spirit. It's not the power of a cosmic vending machine. It's the power of a cosmic God who loves us and wants us to live in communion with him. And he does respond to us as we ask.
So friends, this is the basis of our asking in prayer. This is our confidence and this is the power, the power of Christ himself in us, leading us, walking with us. And just before we get ready to share and commune together, I actually want us to take this opportunity to pause and ask yourself, is there anything you need to ask God? Have you been not asking because you've kind of gone the way of self-sufficiency? Or have you been not asking God because you think, oh, I'm not worth it? I want to extend the invitation to ask. Do you need to ask for daily bread or provision? Do you need to ask him for forgiveness? Do you need to ask him for deliverance from temptation? Do you need to ask him for insight and clarity to some of the deep questions in your life instead of going to Google? Go to God. Let's just take a moment in silence and prayerfully bring our asks to the Lord. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.